Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. There are activists in our community who hope to bring our attention to issues they feel are significant. It is a vital part of our community if we hope to see and understand others who live in Northumberland. Recently, two such groups want to focus our attention. The first event is the Trans Day of Remembrance. It is taking place this Saturday at the Coburg Police Station and Victoria Hall. It will commemorate those who have died due to violence and bigotry against trans people. It is the sixth time a local vigil has been held. Ashley Bowman, a local leader will tell us about trans people in our community and what is being done to end this violence and hate. So let's begin with the Trans Day of Remembrance. I'm so pleased to have with me today Ashley Bowman, chapter leader of PFLAG, an organization for families, friends, and others who support the LGBTQ2 community. Welcome to Consider This. Hi, thanks for having me. What is the Trans Day of Remembrance? So, um, the Trans Day of Remembrance uh, is a day that is um, was created to memorialize uh, initially the murder of Rita Hester. She was an African-American trans woman who was brutally murdered in her apartment on November 28, 1998. Her murder has yet to be solved. Um, and that's quite common. Uh, when there is regarding uh, transgender-based violence and murders. So um, the first Transgender Day of Remembrance was held on November 20th, 1999, and um, since then occurs annually. And uh, yeah, so it's just a day to kind of memorialize and honor those who have been murdered as a result of transphobia or anti-transgender hatred and or prejudice. And the day is observed to bring attention to the continued violence endured by the transgender and non-binary or gender diverse communities. And it's just an important and ongoing issue of human rights regarding trans advocacy. Now, I understand there's going to be uh, something going on on November 20th in Coburg. Can you tell us what's going on? Yeah, so actually, this is the sixth annual Transgender Day of Remembrance um, happening in Coburg. The first one took place on November 20th, uh, 2016. So there was a small vigil held in the evening, and in the day, the Coburg Police Services raised a trans flag at half-mast, um, and every year since then, we've always observed it as a vigil. So um, on Saturday, 
from 1.30 until 2 in front of Victoria Hall, there'll be sign making and an information session that people can come and check out. We'll also have on display the names of all the lives that have been lost in the last year because also the Trans Day of Remembrance just brings to light um, the amount of violence that we see every year regarding the trans and gender diverse community. And then 2 p.m. we'll be having an afternoon candlelight vigil which we will walk through the downtown to victoria park and through victoria park to uh the gathering place that's across um from the lions lioness pavilion for a moment of silence and then later in the evening there'll just be a virtual candlelight vigil which will be um broadcast live on our facebook page and it'll just uh essentially be a candle lit with some somber music playing in the background and people are welcome to um, pop in and join for however long they would like and we will also be having uh, be posting the names for that broadcast also trans awareness week so we're promoting um information and community education on our facebook page and following that on monday november 22nd i will be um presenting the pronoun usage and trans advocacy in northumberland webinar that i um, have available uh, the presentation was designed specifically for community service providers local non-for-profit agencies and small small businesses, um, helping them to create a more uh, safer and inclusive space. When anyone uses the word transgender, what does it describe? So um, transgender is kind of used as an umbrella term, um, and it just is regarding how people present their gender identity. Uh, Sorry, just one moment. I'm just going to bring something up here um, because I have a thorough definition but yeah it's it's typically used as an umbrella term uh predominantly as an adjective i will say though um there is a lot of intricacies when writing about uh, the trans community and i would just like to note that um it's never verbed like it's technically it's uh technically grammatically incorrect to say transgendered because it kind of it's an othering um, form of language, but um, just using it as an adjective is the best way. And it describes a person who does not identify with the gender that they were assigned with at birth. Um, so just to further elaborate on that, um, it, it refers to individuals with a diverse uh, gender identities and expressions that differ differ from stereotypical gender norms and um so for an example uh someone who is a trans woman uh were assigned male at birth but they identify as female and a trans man is assigned female at birth and identifies as male all right lots of interesting things that you said there but unless we're really good grammaticians uh i i don't think we we might fully understand what you're talking about so i think that last bit was really key so somebody is born a particular gender but then as they go through their life they identify as as something else and that person is known by the umbrella term as transgender is, is that correct yeah, so it's, uh, again, it's just uh, in the very basic of the definition, it just refers to a person who identifies differently than uh, the gender or sex they were assigned with at their birth. All right, so what does it mean when you use the term identify with? What What are you talking about there? 
So um, in that case, it would be someone who was assigned male at birth per se. They, um, growing up, did not feel that they did identify as being male. Um, so it's just an expression of their gender that they don't feel that they were the gender that they were assigned at birth and they like to present or live their life uh, in a way that is more comfortable for them. And it could be female, but a lot, like also um, there's people who are non-binary that don't identify with any gender binary. And, um, and then, yeah, there's different types of gender expression and uh, a lot of people are gender fluid. So sometimes it just change. It's a very, um, very interesting dynamic and it's really important that uh, people in the trans and gender diverse communities feel visible and um, that they get the supports that they need. So how is uh, being transgender different than say somebody who is a cross-dresser or a transsexual? Um, so I will just point out uh, that those are dated terms that aren't really acceptable. Uh, so like um, transsexual is a data term, and I know it's been used um, for decades previous, uh, so it does indicate someone who was transgender, um, but it would uh, it's not typically used unless the person you are talking to wants to identify as that. It is their choice, but it's not considered an umbrella term. And also just um, cross-dressing is just someone who may enjoy wearing... Um, alternate gender clothing, but not necessarily identify with um, being female. They just enjoy wearing more female, what's presented as female identifiable clothing. Now, people might have heard the term transitioning when talking about transgender people. What does that word mean and how does it apply? So transitioning is, um, is a term that is used when people, uh, so it can be used as a noun or a verb, and it's any step or steps a person take to affirm their gender identity. Um, so it's just, again, you would say something as he, and then the he is indicative of that person's current pronouns, transitioned a few years ago. So in that sense, that would mean that the individual started um, presenting more as male, than their assigned birth sex. Do we know how many Canadians identify as transgender? Um, yes, it is the last kind of statistics that I've found on this subject. It's, it's quite high um, and definitely uh, more than you would realize. Um, but following that, uh, something I also teach in my pronoun usage and trans advocacy seminar is the fact that when you are using like pronoun usage, you need to kind of stop making assumptions uh, of someone's gender because you don't actually know how they identify unless you ask them and you can't kind of make the presumptions just on their general appearance. So um, a good thing to do definitely is to use the gender-neutral pronoun they, their, them. Uh, okay, but uh, I think my question was, do we know how many Canadians identify? Do you have a number, a figure? Oh, um, sorry, no. I don't have a current number or figure of that. I've just, uh, the most recent thing I read was just that um, there was a survey put out in 2019 
where it was open to Canadians um, who are trans or non-binary youth. And um, in Ontario, there were 337 participants in that survey. But that would be for 18 years and under. Um, but that just kind of gives a pretty good indication of, of who filled out that survey. Uh, I understand that the census uh, for 2021 is asking the question for the first time, uh, allowing people to identify as transgender. How is that significant? That will really help as, again, that you asked that question about like how many um, people in Canada, and I can't give an exact figure of that. So the fact that the current census is going to be reflective of that information is really important to uh, the progression of advocacy and um, in human rights regarding trans individuals as uh, they are often ostracized and um, face, again, face a lot of violence. Another big hindrance is um, access to health care. So when we have more official numbers like that, I think it's just easier to know something like, hey, like we have X percentage of uh, trans and non-binary people living in Ontario or Canada, and it's important that they are able to access health care because a big deterrent um, and difficulty of being trans or non-binary is the fact that um, it's it's really difficult to access health care. There's sometimes issues regarding um, uh, uh, what their sex is on their birth certificate, having to change their names can be difficult. Um, any kind of accessing um, healthcare professionals who are open or understanding or even knowledgeable about um, trans health, especially transitioning, especially the use of hormone replacement therapy. Um, I know I know locally that is a big issue is um, the lack of access to healthcare services for trans or non-binary individuals, and also the the financial burden, uh, the financial burden as well. It uh, can be really difficult, and sometimes um, what's needed isn't covered by OHIP. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that in a minute. I, I want to come back to uh, identifying people in the community. Now, I know you work a great deal with the uh, LGBTQ2 community. Um, how many people have identified themselves as being transgender to you and your group? Um, I would say uh, a significant percentage, enough that um, one of my main talking points constantly uh, when I speak publicly, whether it is at the Trans Day of Remembrance, there's also a more positive day called the Trans Day of Visibility. And um, But the number one thing I always advocate for is um, is access to health care. Um, and it's just important that um, people have access to knowledgeable, affirming, and accessible health care. No, I, I, pre- um, I appreciate the issue, and I'd like to talk about it more in a second. I'm, I'm trying to get my head around how many people in our community are transgender. What, what To give us a sense of how many people living around us uh, are, are transgender. Can, can you give me some sense of it? Um, I would just say it's hard because... I'm going to say there's probably many people who are trans or non-binary that have not talked to me that exist in this community. I don't know if I'm always 100% go-to for people um, 
with my services, although they're like available to anyone to access and everyone's welcome. Yeah, I can't say, I would just say, I would just like to say that there are trans and non-binary live people living in our community. Um, many of them are my good friends. Um, but yeah, I can't put a percentage because I know it's going to be higher than my own kind of like personal experience or people that come to me or reach out to me through PFLAG or the Covert Queer Collective. So now let's talk some more about these challenges that you were mentioning before. You've sure. clearly identified healthcare as being a, a critical issue for the community. But what it, what is it like? Can you help describe what it's like for these people that you know um, day to day to live in our community, to live in places like Coburg and Port Hope and Butley and Warkworth and Campbellford. What, what do they tell you about the life they live and how they're treated? I think for sure, and what I've witnessed online or and, and what I've been told is transphobia it runs pretty rampant here. Um, and there's a high prevalence of people getting uh, verbally assaulted. It just can be really difficult. Um, you know, that's not to say that always happens, but it's definitely something that trans and non-binary people have to deal with on a daily basis. That statistically has been proven. Um, but I, I do see this area growing as well. And just on a more positive note, like I do get told often that like, People like the fact that there is kind of an active LGBTQ community here. There's visibility. There's support. Um, when earlier this year, when I held kind of a uh, a trans day of visibility, like scavenger hunt, that was really well attended, and I got a lot of positive feedback from that, and. That's really great, and I'm very excited to continue doing the visibility and community education component because I want all of the community to know that um, like trans rights are important, especially in rural communities, but the, the thing about living in a more rural community is you're not going to always have as much access to resources or support systems that you might get in a more urban uh, urban setting. And I would actually personally like to see that changed. And I think, um, again, with the growth of our community, that that's going to be coming in the future. Now, statistics show that uh, members of this community, uh, the transgender community, and also the LGBTQ2 community are three times as likely to become victims of violence. Are you aware um, of the level of violence that is committed against these members of our community? Oh, yes. Yes, I am very aware of that. That is another one of my talking points. Um, actually, speaking of that, uh, a call to action that I kind of wanted to do to coincide with the Transgender Day of Remembrance is um, I would like at a federal level that the Trans Day of Remembrance be included in the 16 um, days of activism against gender-based violence that happens on November 20, uh, 25th, which is the, uh, it's the day, the International Day of the Elimination of Violence Against Women. But um, because it's the 16 days of activism against gender-based violence, it would be nice to see that start with the Trans Day of Remembrance because uh, trans, uh, the trans community and gender uh, diverse community 
are constantly dealing with um, high prevalence of physical assault. And I mean, I think every year since I've been doing the Trans Day of Remembrance, there had to have been at least 100 people murdered. And they count, it's like every year. So almost a 1,000 people since I've been doing this have been murdered around the world who identify as trans or non-binary, and that's only including the reported instances of violence. There's many, you know, there's violence happening to people every day or people getting murdered every day that, like, cases haven't been solved. The Coburg police shared your press release. What, if any, role do they play in your plans? Um, I think uh, the Coburg Police Service does a really good visibility component with the work that I do. Um, I felt that in 2016, when they wanted to uh, raise the trans flag at half mass, it was just really important to get the community, um, first of all, aware that there is a trans flag. And uh, secondly, that there are these like systemic issues and it's just again a good visibility component and a good talking point when we start talking about the violence against the specific community and um like even police in general like the statistic is that uh, many trans or gender diverse people don't report their assaults to police and that 24 percent of the trans and gender diverse community in ontario um have reported having been harassed by police. So I think it's a good stepping stone in um, repairing a lot of broken relationships. Well, it's wonderful that the police service uh, does the flag raising and, and does the awareness building, but what about on a practical basis? What What is being done by the police to help the uh, transgender people in our community feel safer and feel protected? I think, like, an important thing is they reached out to me a few months ago, and I presented um, my webinar to them, and it provided them with a lot of, like, eye-opening or important information and start, you know, developing a rhetoric around um, just uh, trans identity or gender-diverse identity because it starts, um, that's kind of how it starts. You need to normalize the use of pronouns. Uh, everybody, regardless, um, whether you're trans or not, it can just be an all-encompassing thing, like something very easy to do is whenever you have a meeting, just go around the table and everyone says their name and pronouns. Normalizing that is really effective. Um, just being aware of the statistics or the prevalence of violence is really important. Um, making sure that you have adequate resources and that you're not just subjecting um, trans or gender diverse people to further scrutiny or violence or um, any kind of thing that could be deemed a human rights issue. Like uh, trans and gender diverse people have protections under the, the Human Rights Code of Ontario. Um, it's just really important to get that message or at least start to be uh, welcoming and encompassing and just changing because our society is changing and it's just important to always strive for a society where everyone is safe and everyone is comfortable and you like you just have to know that you're protected 
You've mentioned now a couple of times in our conversation the the notion of gender identification through the use of pronouns. We see this on social media feeds where people will place beside their name he, him, or she, her, and other things. How does this facilitate an ongoing awareness of gender identification? Yeah, I'll do my best to break it down. So, um, so the reason why it's important to just use identifiable pronouns is, is like that's just you're just helping someone with their identity and it's just the simplest and most positive thing you can do it makes them feel welcome it makes them feel accepted so um as the like the use of personal pronouns are becoming more widespread and um let's see so we usually assign gender-specific pronouns, he or she, uh, to people around us, but we might not know what their gender identity or expression is. Uh, and, um, you know, subconsciously we make those assumptions. So that when you normalize pronoun use, and it just, yeah, when you identify yourself, I see it at the end of emails, that's a really easy thing. Or now on Zoom calls, people will have it beside their name. It's also easier, and it makes it easier for when everyone's doing it, then people aren't singled out, you know? It's not like, oh, that person, you know, is the only person that identifies their pronouns, like, what's their deal? It just normalizes everything, and um, with that normalization, it's just more comfortable, and it just becomes a thing that people do. Like, I see it so much more now than I did, say, maybe five years ago, or even when I started doing the Transgender Day of Remembrance. Um, so um, there's also a lot of different uh, gender pronouns they might and that are unfamiliar. Uh, and, like, it's really just important to ask people, uh, but at the same time not kind of single them out. Misgendering uh, is when you use the incorrect pronouns and that happens quite often um when people are transitioning and it's okay but it's just important to remember to correct yourself and just work on getting it right and um if someone else around you makes a mistake it's just important to correct them and because you don't want to further embarrass the individual um and if you if sometimes if you're consistently using the wrong pronouns um it can misgendering a person it just can be really difficult um it can be considered a form of harassment and i'll just say this so when someone is referred to with the wrong pronoun it can make them feel disrespected invalidated dismissed alienated or dysphoric or often all of the above. And it is a privilege to not have to worry about which pronoun someone is going to use based on um, how you perceive uh, their gender or your gender. And just that if you have this privilege yet fail to respect someone's gender identity, it's not only disrespectful, but it's also hurtful and depressive. What positive things are we seeing in our community that are moving us to war, more accepting space for transgender people? Um, personally, what I've had, I've had several places like reach out to me to do my webinar because I think the basics of like community education is a main component. And as I mentioned earlier, um, with that survey that was done recently with um, 
trans and non-binary youth, there were three recommendations that were specific for Ontario. And that was implement knowledge affirming and accessible healthcare services uh, and providers and to develop a public education on the importance of using correct pronouns and chosen names, including the consequences of not doing so. And the third is improve outreach and support for families to help them understand their trans and or non-binary youth and to help youth feel safe at home. So it's just um, right now, I've seen a lot of changes. It's nice to see people being more inquisitive instead of just like brushing it off as some fad or just because they don't understand it. Um, People just want the knowledge that is out there because as we progress, like people feel more comfortable being themselves probably now than ever before. And it's important that we are creating safer spaces for people and just having them more accessible. And it's just a matter of like minor things. Like for example, if someone, if you are working in an office and a client comes in and asks you where the washroom is, you don't say the ladies washroom is over there. You just say the washrooms are around the corner, like things like that. Uh, how important is it for our political leaders and our institutional leaders to be taking these steps and 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 leading by example um definitely i always think um it is important because a lot of people do still still well maybe (laughs) look up to political leaders and um it's it is really interesting sorry, interesting, as a queer advocate, how often I do see, like, gender and sexuality politicized, Um, like, transgender and non-binary community. It's always being brought up, like, a few years ago when the federal government did decide to make a rule to not assume anyone's gender uh, unless, you know, like, they ask, um, which is fine. Like, it, it caused a really weird riff um, with a lot of people just not accepting the fact that you just weren't making assumptions anymore. Um, but it's, it is small things like that that definitely help um, the progression of, of a full and equal society. And when I say that, I mean for everybody um, in the queer community, it's still really difficult. I know trans and non-binary people have a very difficult time accessing accessing employment accessing social services accessing housing services um a lot of organizations uh will dead name which is would be like using a client's name that they don't identify with anymore it was the name that they're give, they were given at birth and that not, might not be their chosen name that might not be how they identify and i know it can be um really really difficult because again using a person's uh new or preferred name and their preferred pronouns is an important aspect in respecting their gender identity and it helps their confidence and it just helps them with a sense of belonging um because again with all the violence that the trans and non-binary community face there's also a high prevalence of suicide and self-harm how can people come involved on November 20th? Um, on November 
September 20th. I encourage everybody in the community to come out to our events. We'll be there for half an hour before the vigil where people can come and ask questions. Um, they can come and participate in the vigil. I am always available to speak to people. I can hang around afterwards. Um, people can always reach out to me too online during the day, but it would be great to get um a good amount of people out it's the first event we've kind of had in person really since the pandemic we did hold a rally in august uh but yeah this is kind of going back to um our traditional roots <laughs> for uh for the transgender day remembrance vigil so it will be nice to kind of be out and visible again because i feel that is always a big component of the work that i do and the work that our organizations do is just the visibility aspect which was is very hard to do um virtually i think it's much more um impressive and provoking when when we're we're visible out on the street and things like that ashley moman thank you so much for talking to me today thank you so much for having me that was ashley bowman chapter leader of p flag an organization for families friends and others who support the lgbtq2 community i want to thank my guests this week for talking to me and i want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.